John chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. When Jesus had spoke these words, He lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son that Your Son may glorify You since You have given Him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom You have given Him. And this is eternal life, that they know You, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom You have sent I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I said it before, one of the things that I, I truly appreciate about what we do here is that we share our prayer requests. Um, there are churches that don't do that anymore. There are churches that in the main worship service, they don't have a prayer time anymore. And I read all of these books on how to do church right, and a lot of them are just quitting doing that. They, instead, they, they leave that for small groups, or they leave that for Sunday school classes, or they leave that for, you know, when you're with your friends alone, you can share your prayer requests, but we just don't have time to do that during a, during a worship service. And I think that's wrong. I think... I think it's, it's a very good thing that we continue to bring the needs of individuals before the whole congregation. I think it shows that we, we are sincerely concerned about each other and we have a desire to pray for each other. It also does something else. And I, I mentioned this a little bit earlier. It gives us an opportunity to be the answer to someone else's prayer. Sometimes something is shared and people have a very specific need. You know, we've, we've had people who who uh, suddenly sickness hit them or suddenly there's, there's some big need. And it's always amazing, me, amazing to me how by the end of the service, I'll have a, a few checks or a little bit of money. Like, here, give that to them. And, and in a, a very real way, we become the answer for someone else's prayer request. Uh, we, we become the encouragement, the help that they need. And, and it, it's not just prayer. It's, it's, we get the opportunity to bless. It's a wonderful blessing of fellowship when we get to partner with God to answer prayers. And so we come to John chapter 17, Jesus' prayer in the garden. And Jesus realizes here that the hour has come, that his mission is nearly complete, and he can see the cross ahead of him. And so that night, before he was taken by the soldiers, before he is put on trial, before he is beaten, and, and before he is crucified the next day, he prays to the Father, and I want you to consider what's happening in this prayer. This is God, the one God, praying to Himself. This is God the Son praying to God the Father. This is the only God. This is the, the uncreated Creator, the unmoved Mover. This is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the source of all power and authority and dominion submitting to himself in prayer. Infinite authority and infinite humility are meeting in this prayer. That, that just kind of blows my mind. It kind of amazes me when I, I think about that. But even more amazing is when you realize that you and I are the answer to his prayer. You and I get to be the answer to his prayer. In a very real way, when we respond to Jesus, when we place our faith in Him, we are the answer to this prayer. 
just like we get to answer each other's prayer. The hour had finally come. There would be no more waiting. There would be no more looking ahead. There would be no more the hour is coming or an hour is almost here. The hour had come. And you know, for most of us, for, for many of us, that hour has already come. That hour when we first believed in Jesus. That hour when we made a commitment. The commitment that I will stand with Christ. I will be called a Christian. I will belong to Him. That's what He was praying for there in the garden. A prayer that you and I could answer with our lives. What Jesus is praying for here and, and how we can answer His prayer is that as we look at His prayer, we see, we realize that His prayer is a prayer for glory. The goal of His prayer is glory. In fact, the, the goals of our lives, the goal of our lives is to glorify God. The goal of this church is that everything that we do would bring glory to God. I, I've told you many times that my prayer, ever since coming back here in, in 2002, my prayer has been to echo what Jesus says over and over again in the Gospel of John. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. That is the only promise we have in the Bible for success in this world. If Jesus is lifted up, if we glorify Him, He will draw people to Him. It's not that I stand up here and I lift up myself and I lift up my wonderful sermons or we lift up our great worship even though we have great worship or we lift up our great programs that we have or any social programs that we do. Anything that we do, if we lift up ourselves, there's no promise. The only hope that we have is if we lift up Christ. Now, I don't know if you saw how many times the word glory appears in these five verses. In verse 1, Jesus lifted His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son that Your Son may glorify You. And then verse 4, I, have, I glorified You on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And then verse 5, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Five times in five verses, the word glory is used. It might be important for us to understand what glory is, what the word glory means here. At the heart of the idea of glory, it means to illuminate. It means to shine the light on something. Dave's going to hit the lights for a minute. Now, don't fall asleep while the lights are out, okay? Because I will wake you up. Jesus prays in verse 1, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son. Glorify your Son uh, that the Son may glorify you since you have given Him authority over all flesh. It means to illuminate. We, we glorify Jesus. We shine the light on what Jesus does. If we get to answer Jesus' prayer by glorifying Him, then we glorify Him by making Him known, by shining our light on Him. You know, when you shine your light on something or when you shine your light on, on someone, you make it so everybody can see it. If you shine your light on something, I'm not going to shine this in your eyes because it's very, very bright, but if you shine your light on someone, maybe I'll shine it in Steve's eyes. No one has to say, what is that? 
you know, what, what is that that you're shining your light on? It, you can see it. You make it visible. You make it plain. You make it understandable when you shine your light on it. And it also draws people's attention to whatever the light is shining on. That's glory. That's what glorifying God is all about. That's what the Father did for the Son. He shined His light on the Son. That's what the Son does for the Father. And if you're going to answer Jesus' prayer for glory, you're going to have to do it by shining your light on Him. People see that when we lift up Christ. People see us making His name known. Uh, making His name known above ourselves. You know, the last thing we're going to do is shine the light on ourselves. You know, I could tell you a scary story if I did it like this. So. The last thing we're going to do is shine the light on ourselves and say, look at me! Look at what I can do! You know, Look at how amazing we are over here. Look, look at how great we are at serving people. We don't do that. We don't shine the light on ourselves. We shine the light on Christ. Because there's no promise if I shine the light on myself. If I be lifted up, no. It's if Christ is lifted up above ourselves, above shining the light on ourselves, above shining the light on our own wants, our own desires, above shining the light on our own attitudes, sometimes even on our own prejudices, we have to lift up Christ. Now later on in this prayer, this prayer goes on, and later on in this prayer he prays for us. He prays for those who will believe later. Those who will believe by the word. And that's the way you and I came in. And he prays for us. And what does he pray for us? He prays that we will receive glory. In verse 22, he says, he prays for us that the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. We receive glory. We receive God's glory to pass it on, to pass it back to Christ when we are in unity, when we are one. We can't have that if I'm busy lifting up me and you're busy lifting up you. We can't have that kind of unity if, I, if we're all busy lifting ourselves up. It's only if we're all lifting up Christ. The goal of Jesus' prayer is to bring glory to himself and to the Father. We get to participate in answering that prayer. And Jesus shows us here that we bring glory to the Father when we submit to his authority. Now, being Americans, we do not like the word authority. <laughs> we do not care for the word authority. In fact, I did a Google image search and I just went to Google, I typed in the word authority, I clicked on the images to see what images popped up first, and none of them were good. Every one of the images that was tied to the word authority, it was bleak, it was terrifying, it was degrading to those who are in authority, and it did nothing but cause us to question authority. So when Jesus uses the word authority, and he claims that all authority has been given to him. How do good Americans like us process that? How do we deal with his authority? How do we really appreciate that? And the difference for us is that we are used to something that we could call representative authority. Right? You understand representative authority? We elect authority. We appoint authority. We hire authority. And if we don't like them, then we get rid of them. And we elect new authority the next time around. We, we find someone else 
that we think is probably going to be our, our kind of authority. And so we change authority. Jesus doesn't have representative authority. He doesn't have elected authority. He has inherent authority. Jesus has authority because of who he is. Jesus does not have authority because you say it's okay. You understand that? If you're like, well, I don't want to follow Jesus. I don't want to respect his authority. That doesn't change things. He's still got authority. He's not going to give up authority because you decide you want to elect somebody else to have authority. And even if you refuse to recognize his authority, you will still bow to it eventually. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. They won't want to, but they won't have no choice. So Jesus ties his authority directly to glory. If we are going to glorify him, then we are going to have to recognize his authority. Again, back to verse 1. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. This tells us the, the focus of Jesus' authority. The focus is that by his authority, he would bring glory to the Father. It also tells us the scope of his authority. The scope of his authority is all flesh. Is everybody here made of flesh, right? You've all got skin? Okay, great, because that means that you are under the authority of Jesus. Everybody, everybody who's got flesh is under the authority of Jesus. And the purpose of his authority, it tells us the purpose of his authority, which is to bring eternal life. In fact, if you pay attention all the way through John's gospel, it's a running thread that Jesus has authority over life. You go back to John chapter 5, verse 21, Jesus, Jesus says, for as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. In chapter 4, verse 14, when he's talking to the woman at the well, Jesus says, whomever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And then in chapter 3, all the way back into chapter 3 of, of John's Gospel, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus in the middle of the night, he says in verses 14 and 15, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And then the very next verse is one that you're familiar with. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We want to bring God glory. We have to submit to his authority. If I'm a student, some of you are students, and I want to, pl- I want to pass a class, I have to respect and follow the authority of my teacher. Right, teachers? The teacher has a lesson plan. The teacher has a grading system. The teacher has shown me what the work has to be done if I want to pass the class. And if I want to pass, I have to respect the teacher's authority. If I am sick and I need medication, I have to go to the authority of the doctor because I don't have the authority to write a prescription for myself. The doctor has that kind of authority. So I go to the doctor, I respect his authority, I submit to his authority, he writes the prescription, and I get the medication I need. If I want justice, 
I can't take it into my own hands. That's not justice. That's being a vigilante. It's not the same thing. If I want justice, I have to go to the courts. I have to submit to the court's authority and plea my case for justice. So if I want eternal life, where am I going to go? Am I going to just look to myself? Am I going to look to my own good works and say, you know, look what I've done. <laughs> look at how good I am. This is what's going to get me eternal life. No. Jesus says that only he has the authority to give eternal life. I have to bow to his authority by his own words. He is the only one who can give me eternal life. And if Jesus' prayer is that he and the Father would be glorified, and that glory comes from recognizing his authority, then we get to answer Jesus' prayer when we come to him seeking eternal life. And this is an important point. And this is something that, for some reason, some people just don't grasp this. I have friends who are in, in mega churches, you know, big churches, thousands of people in attendance every Sunday. And they do all kinds of, of uh, studies on mega churches. What is it that, that causes a church to grow like that? How do they attract thousands of people? And, you know, they're wonderful churches. Some of you have been to mega churches. I've been to a few of them. You know, it's just amazing what all they're able to do, and it's incredible. But by their own admission, they, they did studies here recently a while back on, on mega churches. By their own admission, 75% of the people who sit in the seats at a megachurch every Sunday, 75% have no personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm not making those up. That's by their own admission. Interviewing the people, taking surveys of the people who attend megachurches. 75% of them have no personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, so why are they there? Why, why do they attend? Why, why haven't they made a commitment to Jesus? Well, some of them go because they like the worship, you know, and the music makes them feel good. It's uplifting, and it is. And, and maybe that's why some people come here, because they like the music, because it, it's, it's great. It does. The ladies do a wonderful job. All of you do a wonderful job. Some of them go because they like, well, they like the message, you know? Preacher's entertaining, he does some funny things, and, you know, he keeps their attention, and so that's great, and the messages are uplifting, and they really enjoy the messages, and, and that's a wonderful thing. Some people go because they like Jesus' style, you know, that, that whole forgiveness thing appeals to them, and, and they really appreciate that. But without a commitment to Jesus, you're missing the point. The sole purpose of Jesus' authority is to bring you eternal life. The sole purpose of His authority, the whole sole purpose of Him glorifying God is to give you eternal life. We're missing the point and we're missing the promise when we don't come to Him seeking those things. Jesus did not go to the cross so you could attend church. Okay? Jesus didn't go to the cross so you could attend church. Jesus didn't go to the cross so that you could get involved in a local church. He didn't die so you could be a Sunday school teacher. He didn't die so that I could preach. He went to the cross to glorify the Father so that we could shine our light on Him, so that we could glorify Him. He died so that we could spend eternity with Him because He alone has the authority to give eternal life. Look at verse, 
verse 3. He says, Jesus says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Did you notice something about that statement? How does Jesus define eternal life? Does he define it in a chronological term? You know, how long eternity takes? You know, does he define it with when when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun? Did he, invite it, did, he, did he define it in terms of eternal life? That's forever. That's a mighty long time. You know, he, he didn't use those kind of terms. He defines it in terms of relationship. Eternal life isn't about you getting to live forever. It's about you getting to live forever with God. It's about you getting to glorify God forever. When you have a relationship with Christ, hear me, when you have a relationship with Christ today, you have eternal life. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, back in John chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to to life. Just a few verses later in this prayer, down in uh, John chapter 17, verse 24, Jesus says, Father, I desire that they, that is you, that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. You see, if God is going to be glorified in you and me, if we are truly going to shine our light on Him, then we have to know Him. We have to be in a relationship with Him. We have to belong to Him. And then we have eternal life. Jesus didn't die so you could go to church. Jesus didn't die so that you could sit in a pew. He also didn't die so that you could serve. He didn't die so that you could get involved, so that you could be a greeter, or so that you could be a teacher or a worship leader. He gave his life so that you could glorify the Father forever. And when he prayed in the garden, and his disciples were sleeping, when he prayed in the garden, broken and alone, sweating drops of blood, his prayer was that you would come to him for eternal life. Some of you haven't done that yet. And I, and I got to say, you're really missing out. And you're missing out on, on so much. You're missing out on what you could have here. Because here, you have this relationship with God where you get to bring Him glory. Where you, you get to glorify God. You get to shine the light on Him. And then you're missing out on what you get there when we all get there where we get to spend eternity with Him. And the beautiful thing is that, here's the thing that amazes me. Jesus is offering you eternity. In answering this prayer, it does not require an IQ test. <laughs> you know? You'd think there ought to be some kind of a, you know, a list 
that you could get on. There, there ought to be some requirement. It, it doesn't require an IQ test, and it's, it's not that we've got to meet a certain quota to get into heaven, you know, and, and it's not that, well, you're not in the right tax bracket, so you don't get this benefit, or, you know, it's not part of your health insurance plan that you get to do this, you know, you've got to pay extra. It requires submitting to Jesus' authority in your life. Back in the Gospel of Matthew, at the end of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus leaves his final instructions, what we call the Great Commission. This is his final orders to all of us. Jesus says, all authority, there's the word, right? All authority on heaven and, heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore you go and you make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What do we do with Jesus' authority? We make disciples. We make followers who are in a relationship with him. How do we do that? By baptizing them. Don't ask me how exactly it works, but here it is in the Word. It's in there over and over again. We baptize them. When you're baptized, you are identifying yourself with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. You go down in the water as an old broken person. You come up in His wholeness and His newness of life. You lay that old life down. You take up His new life. And somehow, in some amazing way, He gives you His Holy Spirit that eternal life that you're going to spend with God forever, glorifying Him, you start that the day that you give yourself to Him. The very presence of God with you now, with you forever. You start that eternal life that day. And that's all we've got to offer you here. <laughs> that, that's the only thing we got. I mean, seriously, that is it. If you're here looking for something else, if you're here just because you need some place to get involved or you need a community club, maybe... <laughs> Maybe you need some community service hours. I don't know. You know, maybe that's why you're here. We can't do that for you. Maybe you're here for friendship. We got some great people, some people who'd love to be your friends, but that's not what we're here for. You're here because your kids need good teaching, need good morals in this world. That's wonderful, but that's not the point. The point is Jesus wants you. He wants you to know his Father. He wants you to know his Father forever. He wants you to glorify his Father forever. He wants you, He wants you to answer His prayer. How bad do you want Jesus to answer your prayers? How badly do you want Jesus to answer your prayers? Show me you're real. Do something. Jesus wants you to answer His prayer. Tara Don's going to sing a song for us. I want you to, to hear these words very carefully. And then I'm going to come back and give you something else.
and he has this very impassioned voice. And he gets very personal. He gets very in your face. And he says, why would you delay to respond to Jesus? And you know, I've heard this so many times. Why, why would you put off this response? Why, what if this very night, what if leaving this place today, you were hit by a truck? You know, so 
Like, that's a great way to end a message. And what if today your life is required of you, a preacher will say. And I'm not one of those guys. As far as I'm concerned, that's manipulative. And that's a misuse of Scripture. And, and I don't do that. I refuse to do that. But I want you to think about this. I hear a lot of people who tell me I'm just not ready yet. I have a lot of people tell me I got some things to think about. I got some things to take care of myself first. I'm just not ready yet. When he went to that cross, when he was dying for your sins so that you could spend eternity with the Father, did he look at that cross and say, I'm just not ready yet? I got some things I got to take care of first. I, I want to fix a few things before I, before I do that. What did he say? He said, the hour has come. The hour has come. And he went to the cross. And when he was done, he said, it is finished. There's nothing to wait for. There is nothing that could be so important in your life that it would keep you from going to there. There is nothing that you can do that now that's going to make it any easier. It's a free gift given for you. It's a free gift that he paid for with his life. We're going to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. And if that's a decision that you need to make today, you got people here who are going to love you. you got people here who are going to bless you and are going to help you with that decision. They're going to pray with you. They're going to... They're going to welcome you. They're going to do everything they can to see God glorified through you because of the way he's glorified himself through them.